Ladies and gentlemen and hockey fans of all ages, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Hockey Fan Chat. I am your host, Randy Dillon. The Stanley Cup Finals are wrapping up. We got the Montreal Canadiens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do you got? I'm going to go with the Lightning, to be honest. I think the Lightning, they got everything. Scoring, defense, goaltending. Montreal has been a wonderful Cinderella story. Carey Price is going to have to do a lot. Some of their young players are going to have to surprise us, but we'll see what will happen. In the latest episode of the Hockey Fan Chat, I am joined with a Buffalo Sabres fan. We're going to discuss what has happened to the Sabres. What did the future hold? Where are Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt going to go? Who's going to be the coach? Are the Pagulas truly to blame for all this? It unfortunately is a rebuild inevitable for the team to go through again. Please welcome my guest, Buffalo Sabres fan, Jeffrey Addy. Hey, Jeffrey, how are you? How are you? Good, thank you to this one. So, Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us on the Hockey Fan Chat. I'm excited to get your opinion on the Buffalo Sabres because I'm not going to lie, it's been a little bit of a nightmare for Sabres fan in that franchise for the last so many years. But I got to ask, why are you a Sabres fan? Because from what I can tell, you're from Alberta. So picking the Sabres is a little bit of an interesting decision there. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. And, you know, I have my reasonings. I'm 34 years old almost. And back when I was a kid, I was maybe around 10, 12, sometime in the late 90s. My auntie moved from Edmonton to Buffalo. And back then, I was, I don't know, elementary school, maybe 10, 12 years old. And the Sabres were like good team back then. They had Hasek and Pekka, you know, they're a different bunch, right? Honestly, that's kind of how it started is I was really close with my aunt. And she moved from Alberta out to, she actually, she met an American and she remarried an American and she kind of, started life over in the states and mm -hmm. honestly since then though like i've been to i've kept track because i'm such a nerd i've been to 14 or 15 sorry saber games in my life and they've all been in edmonton and calgary so every year i since i was a teenager i've always made sure to like the sabers games for edmonton and calgary and just i don't know i got merchandise and memories dating back since the 90s now so i feel like i'm committed here and just i'm in for the long haul you know what i mean it just it kind of sucks everything turned out the way it has but it all started just because uh, my aunt went from Edmonton to Buffalo and she's still in Buffalo today. And like I talked to my aunt, I don't know, once or twice a month. And, you know, we're still pretty close. And like when I was a teenager, she would send me like Buffalo merchandise in the mail. Like she would go to Walmart or the dollar store and find like any little Buffalo thing you could find, like magnets and just, you know, pencil crayons or erasers and stuff. And uh, you name it and anything Sabres in Buffalo, I kind of collected over the years and have. And that sounds awesome because that kind of remnants with me for I have two teams, Washington and Vancouver. Growing up, I lived in Calgary and I didn't cheer for the Flames. I cheered for the Canucks and Capitals because I had an uncle who was a Canuck fan. Didn't know much, but I knew he liked the Canucks and I was really close with him and same with the Capitals. Had a cousin who liked the Capitals, close with him, cheer for the Capitals. I like to hear that reminiscent that you cheered it because of your family. And the 90s, they were a good team. They were a very dominant team and they ran some hot teams and they had some good pieces but i gotta get to it right away jack eichel is he done in buffalo or will we be seeing him coming back for another year i think he is done but you know that's just me guessing because with everything going on like with his injury and his contract talk and everything like that the big thing with his contract though is he's got that no movement clause and it doesn't kick in until after next season ends so I feel like either the team or Eichel, that's like a key moment for the no movement clause. You know what I mean? So if he is around, it's probably for one more season, but they're probably going to, 
maybe get rid of him before the no movement clause begins because they don't want to run into like another Taylor Hall situation where they're handcuffed in a way, right? I guess makes sense. But do you think there any way they can win this trade? Because Iko is a franchise player. He and McDavid were ranked as a, the two next generational players. You can't go wrong there. Do you think is there any way they can make up? Because I'm here the Rangers are up there. LA kind of there with but are there any player there that can replace a player like Eichel or no <laughs> honestly no like in this situation there it's it's destined they're gonna lose the trade right so it's you know you just hope for the best and hope they can get as best as pieces that they can right and you know all those teams you mentioned they have been rumored and my favorite honestly is the Kings like I hope they can somehow you know Alex Turcott or Quinton Byfield but I think I'm just dreaming and <laughs> on that one because I think you know even that might be too much so I'm not expecting much because I feel like Buffalo stuck in a way you know they know he's not going to last there more for a few years and i feel like when his no movement clauses begins he's going to really just force their hand anyways right mm-hmm. so i feel like it's a lose-lose situation and they just got almost ripped the bandit off and just get it over with right now where in this five years that they drafted Eichel, where did this all go wrong because i look at the sabers they've had good pieces in place they went out and addressed needs but somehow it just can't get it together. Like, what was the cause of it? Was it, I look back to maybe them letting Dan Bilesma go because of the conflict he had with Eichel and kind of being the turning point for the team? Or is there another kind of big glaring point? You know, that's a good question. The Dan Bilesma is a, a good turning point as well because, you know what, they found a coach who had a little experience. He had the Stanley Cup ring under his belt and everybody thought, hey, this should be a good match, but it didn't really turn out, right? So, you know, could it be the Ryan O'Reilly trade? Because that really sent a whole things in a spiral because they got Patrick Berglund back and when they got Berglund, I'm not sure if you recall, but he kind of just asked to be released and mm-hmm. they, they just kind of like sent him go. So, and then uh, they got Sabotka. And he really just floundered as well. So every pretty much single piece in that trade is kind of just floundering away. You know, they got Ryan Johnson from that first round pick from the St. Louis Blues. And I think Ryan Johnson should be an okay defenseman one day. But I just think that trade kind of hindered them a lot. Because if they still have O'Reilly today, I don't think they're in this position they're in right now too, right? So, and also the coaching changes as well. Because I'll admit, I was a Ralph Kruger fan at first you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I was kind of being supportive and I was saying you know what Kruger's never really had his chance this is his opportunity let's see what he can do and I'll admit I just don't like what Kruger did I just think Kruger kind of fumbled the ball a little bit and kind of sent them backward it looks like that especially now since we're on the subject of coaching is there any coach out there that can come save this team? Because Lindy Ruff was there for so long. It was kind of like a walking door of coaches where you had Ted Nolan, Dan Bilesma, Phil Housley, and then Ralph Kruger coming in. And none of these guys are there for longer than a year or two. Is there a coach that can kind of help this team? I look at maybe being Gerard Gallant, but if he's not available, who else can kind of get this team gelled together? Because I feel like there really hasn't been a coach that combined the team as a unity. No, that's a really good point, you know, and uh, it's going to be tough because I feel like so many coaches, you know, who wants to take that on kind of thing, like, right? But it's, I'm a huge fan of Gerard, like you just mentioned, but just, I, I don't know, he might end up in the Rangers or I don't know if he wants to even touch that Buffalo thing, right? Mm-hmm. I would love Bruce Boudreau. I'm a huge fan of his. And I just think sometimes it is just, I don't know, he can kick their ass into gear a little bit, right? But I'm, I've been a Boudreaux fan over the years. But there's some few names out there. But it is, I kind of question maybe I'm just a scarred Sabres fan. But I feel like, man, you know, when you think of a name, you're like, wow, would they be interested in coming to Buffalo and like going into this mess kind of thing, right? So, you know, there's been some rumors they might be interested in like some college coaches out there too as well. So that may be difficult as well, right? So hopefully 
they bring on someone with experience like Bruce Boudreau or Gerard Gallant, that'd be great. But I don't yeah. know. I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> no, I would think the college code would be a little bit of a side to take because I feel like the way that they've tried with new coaches, I look at kind of like Phil Housley, he didn't have much coaching experience as a head coach. And that didn't work out as well as I thought. Same with Ralph Kruger. So I feel like if they want to get this right, they need to bring a coach in that had that experience that can get the team going. Yeah, no, 100%. And like that's why hopefully they can go for someone like a veteran, like a Bruce Boudreaux or like a, you said, a Gerard Gallant. That'd be a great approach because, yeah, Kruger had the half season at Edmonton, but he had little to no experience. And Housley, you know, he did great as an assistant to Nashville. And then even in Arizona now, he's an assistant in Arizona. And maybe he's just better suited as an assistant coach, right? But just once again, like you said, they haven't really had much experience coaches. So, you know, hopefully this next hire is somebody experienced. Like Granado did okay in the last end of the year. But I just don't trust Granado, you know, at the start of the season with a full, fresh slate of things. I just prefer somebody more experienced, I guess, right? Oh, I guess that's true. Now, how is it for Sabres fan right now with everything they've gone through? Like, disappointment of, I guess, it starts off not getting Connor McGabe, where that year was just horrible. And then every year after, it just seemed like there's always that talk, Buffalo's going to turn around. They're going to make the playoffs, and then it just comes flat forward. Is it as a fan base feeling frustrated with the team and angry? Because I feel like the Sabres do have loyal fans who can stick through them thin or there. But I feel like it's now getting to a point where nothing go right for the fans. Yeah, you know, it definitely seems that way. And just everybody points the fingers at the ownership, of course, right? Like Terry and Kim Pegula, right? I feel like it starts at the top, of course. They make their decisions and I feel like they kind of meddle in a little too much sometimes, the ownership, right? And I don't like to speak too much on behalf of the fan base, but I try to follow a little bit of everybody and get like a pulse on things, right? And there's a lot of frustration, especially since, you know, it seems like Reinhardt is gone as well and Eichel is gone. So this season, they've already tied the NHL playoff drought record and we're pretty much going to have to hit the reset button again, right? It's a little frustrating because you're wondering, well, how long is this going to take again, right? And the draft lottery is coming up. It's almost one of those things where if they get the first overall pick, it's like, well, this is one of the drafts where... Who knows if you, with the first overall pick too, right? It's such a toss-up draft. So it's like, it's one of those years where it's like, what else is going to happen, right? So the Eichel thing, the Reinhardt thing, and now a toss-up draft. They finished dead last, but it's a draft where like, well, who's going to go first overall pick, right? So it's there's a lot of frustration, and I see like a lot of fans are just pissed off, and they're almost like numb at this point, right? It's been 10 straight years of no playoffs, and really there's no positivity in sight really, right? So... No, I could imagine because it kind of reminded me of the Oilers a couple of years before where after the cup run, it just nothing went down and fans got angry. But are the Pagulas, you mentioned them, are they kind of to blame for this? Because they kind of came in that last season when the Sabres made the playoff in 2011. And since then, it's just been a nightmare. And I kind of look at where the bad contracts where they're getting ridiculous amount of money for players who maybe overachieve the year of their contract and they disappoint like Christian Erhoff and Billy Lado. You have Cody Houghton out of that list. They had to buy him out. And then Kyle Oposo, same with Jeff Skinner, where they give these guys ridiculous amount of money. And it, the next thing you know, these guys just disappear. Exactly. Like all those contracts and names you just mentioned. And I feel like sometimes like this is just a bit speculation on my part, sure. But I feel like they own the Bills, they own the Sabres, they own a collection of teams. And I feel like they don't put as much effort into the Sabres sometimes, I guess you can say, with the lack of scouting department they had this season, for example. Like, uh, I don't believe the Sabres had a single WHL scout. So they were kind of just cutting costs and just cutting corners in every department. You know, they're really lacking in scouts. They had little to nobody even there, right? They didn't have an assistant GM this year. 
and just, I feel like they're just cutting corners and just, oh, the Sabres just have to take the brunt of the, you know, everything else. Like, let's put the focus on the Bills. Let's put the focus on this and that. And I just feel like, I, I don't want to point the fingers on them, but a lot of times it does start from the top. Like, they make the decision. They, you know, they put the money into it where it's got to go sometimes, right? So I don't really want to point fingers at them, but I don't really know who else to point it at in this situation, I guess, right? Because... You have a point there. Like, I'm living out now in Vancouver. Fans are pointing a lot of anger with the Canucks, how they have not been doing well and blaming the ownership, especially how meddling. But I kind of feel like with the Bagulas, they're kind of like on a Jane Dolan level where he's with the Knicks, where he's so involved in. Where the Pagulas, I feel like they're kind of like, you said they're half in and half not there, where they'll give up the money to the player they think they do well, but they don't know nothing else. Yeah. And, you know, the Taylor Hall thing was a great example from this season because I feel like they kind of trusted Ralph Kruger a lot because Kruger and Hall had that history in Edmonton. And maybe the Pukula just looked at him like, well, he's the top free agent on the list. Let's get him and let's go for this. And I feel like they kind of just ignorantly, in a way, just trusted Kruger in a way. And just, I don't know, that Hall thing just blew up in their face. And I know I'm just going to sidetrack with that, but there's a lot of you know, they had COVID in the breakout in the dressing room this year, and they had a two-week break early on in the season. But just, yeah, that Hall contract is another example of just tough decisions, right? You know? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's fair where they bring in Taylor Hall for one year, and they're trying to change the culture. Like, I like the move where they made, they brought in a guy like Eric Stahl. I thought, okay, you're bringing a veteran leader in that can kind of help get the team going, help mentor your young players. And then they bring a guy like Hall in where it's just like, okay, maybe you can score at the lottery, but they pretty much got foiled. Like, I'm going to say he got his lunch money taken by the Bruins where he got handcuffed. Yeah, and to touch on the stall thing, I think it was great in the sense that, honestly, he was only going to be around for one year, and they had Dylan Cousins coming in. And I think Dylan Cousins with the focus in the future, but they don't want to toss him into things too soon, too fast, right? So I think with Eric Stahl, you can kind of almost ease Cousins into things, and you can have that mentorship, and also to Stahl, you know, it could just be there for Cousins to just shelter, just even ice time or even just talk to the kid in the dressing room. So Stahl, I like just for this being old <laughs> and being that mentor type for younger players like Cousins, I guess, right? But he did not produce and it just, you know, Stahl didn't go well at all. And the whole thing just, yeah, it was, I don't know, like everybody keeps saying that maybe he just used the Sabres to get a better payday or whatever it was or who knows, right? But I just feel like they, on paper, the start of the season, I don't, I'm not going to say they looked amazing, but I feel like if everything went well, if they had no injuries, if they had Hall and Eichel and everything all year, they maybe could have come close to maybe squeak into the playoffs. But at the start of the season, I was still questionable at their crease. I like uh, Linus Olmark, but I'm just still unquestionable at the start of the season with Carter Hutton and just that crease. I wasn't sure if they were going to make the playoffs to begin with, right? They needed everything to fall into place correctly to even to come close, right? No, we'll get to goaltending a little bit on, but... In regards to that, where the team getting constructed, Kanid Adam, Adam, the GM of the Sabres, again, the GM kind of been a little bit of a rocky road since Darcy Regeer left, where they had Tim Murray, then they had Jason Botterill come yeah. in, and it's just been nasty. It, like The GMs can't get it right there. Is Adam the guy to help this team as the GM, or he kind of the, the puppet for the Pagulas pretty much? You've nailed it on the coffin. I do kind of think he's almost like a puppet for him. That's just personally speaking, because, you know, he grew up in the organization a bit where he's working there for a little bit, like as a different position, right? So the Piccolos have known him for a few years. And I just kind of think it was almost like a yes man type thing where Adams would, you know, kind of listen to Terry Kim and kind of a puppet, like you said. So it's tough because... 
you know, he just got hired. He just finished his first season and GMs are going to have time. You know, they're going to be given a couple of years to work things out. Right. So I don't think he's leaving anytime soon. And I kind of think we're just stuck with him at this point. And, you know, the stall trade wasn't bad. You know, <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and wait and see, but I'm a little worried on things because yeah, I feel like he's a bit of a puppet for Terry and Kim at times. And I'm a little nervous going into the off season because like I said, I feel like Sam Reinhardt is for sure gone. And Eichel, I'm unsure about just because I feel like they can't hang on to him for one more year just because of his contract status. But Reinhardt, I feel like, is gone. It's going to be a huge offseason for them all around. What do you do? And then you still got a guy like Rusman Leinen, who's a fantastic defenseman, but he's been saying he wants out of the organization. How much longer does he's going to stay there? And then I look at young players like Rusman's Darlene and Dylan Cousins, where they see guys like Eichel leaving and Sam Reinhardt saying after their entry level, do they even want to stay in Buffalo? Yeah, and that's true too. You know, it's tough because actually Darlene is an upcoming RFA. It's not like Darlene's going to play hardball at such a young age, but you still got to take that in consideration and what kind of contract is he even going to get right now? Because they got to fight out my way. You sign him long term and keep him, you know, keep him under the books. But I feel like what's going to happen with Darlene's contract as an upcoming RFA as well. And with Rasmus Versalign in it, he's been rumored to be traded for years now. Like I remember back when Taylor Hall got traded for Adam Larson, there was Taylor Hall, Versalign back then, right? So he's been rumored for years. And I think honestly, this could be the year too, because he seems like he's checked out. I don't know. Versalign, he needs to change the scenery kind of thing. And he's got to get out of there too. Because I think his rumors came up, like him saying he wanted to go before O'Reilly asked for the trade, but it's funny. They shipped off O'Reilly, and then he's still there. And maybe he thinks it's going to be better, but at this point, I got to think he's gone as well this year. Yeah, just too much has gone on just with the Eichel stuff, mm-hmm. and just Reinhardt's come out and saying he just... Yeah, there's just a lot of just chaos in many places, right? So, What about a guy like Victor Olofsson? What about his future? Do you think he's going to be part of that core group staying as well, or do you think he could be on that list of going as well? Because he's been, I think, a shining light in all this horrible time for the Sabres where the last two years he's putting up great numbers. I'm kind of mixed with him, I must be honest. Like, I do like him, but I feel like... He needs to be placed with certain people. Like, you kind of need him with Eichel, in a sense, to kind of produce. And I'm not sure about his defensive game in a way. Like, I feel like he's a good power play specialist. But whole game or the two-way game, we're not sure about that. But you know what? You can't be nitpicky with all players. Like, I feel like Victor Olofsson, I hope they keep him around. I feel like he does have some value. But he's not somebody kind of you build around. Like, he's a supporting piece, I guess, right? Like, a support piece. So, I feel like he was great with Eichel. But now with Eichel gone, it's so great. Who's Victor going to play? Who's going to be Victor's center now, right? So it's tough because I feel like he has potential still, but you got to kind of put him in the right spot in a way too, right? Is there any hope with Jeff Skinner? Or is it pretty <laughs> much, you're just praying somehow you can convince Seattle maybe to take that contract or there's maybe a compliant bio because it just like, his game just disappeared. Yeah, and like first I was kind of eh about it, but they were kind of just blaming Ralph Kruger because they felt like, you know, Kruger had him on the fourth line. Kruger was even healthy scratching him. So they felt like, you know, Kruger's not giving him any chances at all. But you know what? I feel like ever since Kruger's been gone, Granado has given him a chance on the top line. He's had his opportunity and it's still not happening. You know what? So it's tough because he's aging now. Like he's getting up there. Like what you see is what you get. Like it's not like he's going to turn into anything else, right? So I, I'm not holding my breath on that. And with the Seattle thing, there's slight hope because um, Jason Botterill is their assistant GM and Jason Botterill is the one who signed him to that crazy contract. So maybe there's some kind of hope and connection and something there, but I think they're kind of stuck with it unless they can find another deal where it's, you know, 
trade our trash for your trash in a way <laughs> like just some twitter trades but i had a few friends like hey let's try jeff skinner for sergey Bobrovsky or something mm-hmm. you know <laughs> ugly yeah. contract for ugly contract right but i think they are stuck with him and maybe just something we just got to tough it out and maybe buy it out or kind of just try to trade it off midway through kind of thing but i yeah. feel like they're stuck yeah, that's, I look at that contract. Like he has, I think, seven more years at nine million dollars. Where yeah. a player like him, like he's a good goal scorer. There's no doubt about it. But Bottle gave him that contract. You're thinking, how is this guy making close to what Eichel is going to make? Yeah, and like once again, this is just me kind of speculating in oh, a way. No, but like, yes. I feel like Bottle almost his hands were tied, and like I'm not trying to defend him because he was definitely overpaid. But Skinner played one season in Buffalo. He scored, he scored a 40-goal season, and then he's a UFA. Like, I feel like Botterill's like, shit, what do I do here in a way, right? Like, he's just scored 40 goals, and you don't want to test the market because, you know, I don't think other teams would have given him that much, but I don't think Botterill was in the position to even let him test the market either. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like they were in a shitty situation. Like, well, he's a UFA. They got to keep him. Because could you imagine how Sabres Twitter or Sabres land would have just crashed if Jeff Skinner scored 40 goals and then, hey, he left as a UFA for nothing. You know what I mean? So it would have been a crappy scenario, but it's not like it turned out better anyways, right? So I'm going to agree to disagree on that. I think, let's say he scores 40 goals. And depending where he's about, because I think they were – somewhere that year where they were out of the playoff race and didn't look like they were going to make it. So even a guy like well, Jeff Skinner putting up 40 was, goals. So that was the year they drafted Dylan Cousins. So they were still yeah. like down there, but like 7th, mm-hmm. 8th overall pick. So they were still a top 10 pick, but not like a lottery pick. Right? No, exactly. So when you think you're going to pull off a miracle, you're out. So I think they could have traded Skinner and maybe got a good piece. Or if you let him walk, you have that $9 million in cap space open to do something. But now yeah. it's like you have $9 million tied in a guy who scored – what? five goals maybe this year and for seven more years yeah no it's yeah they're stuck you know i feel like i don't know how they're gonna get out of it unless they can pull off something where it's a crap contract for a crap contract because i don't know how interested seattle is going to be because i feel like seattle they're going to need to hit the floor but they're going to have options out there like calgary for example is going to put up lucic if they want that they can sign nugent hopkins to some kind of seven and a half million dollar contract if they want like i feel like seattle can look elsewhere for big contracts right you know what i mean Exactly, or take players off, like a guy like what I look at, Ben Bishop in Dallas, who hasn't yeah. played. You don't know if he's going to play again, so that's, that's like $5 million you can take and put that on the IR, so it doesn't look like a guy like Skinner, who's barely putting up points at this time, going to get that money. Well, Skinner has that term, too, so I don't think Seattle wants to be locked down for that seven years and all that, or whatever, six years, or yeah, it's seven still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so yeah, it doesn't look good <laughs> there. I want to touch on Pat LaFontaine. The whole situation. Sabres have a tough year in the 2013-14 year. They fire Darcy Regeer as the GM for, as I said, the longest time. They bring in Pat Lopetalente, Tim Murray. Mid-year, I think right before the trade deadline, Pat Lafonte steps down. What was that situation? Because there was there was hope when Lafonte came in, then all of a sudden he just disappeared. A lot of it saying the Pagulas had something to do with it. As a Saber, as a Saber fan, what kind of happened with that situation? Was it more the Pagulas and him having a disagreement, or was it something else? Because I'm very interested. Because I feel that was maybe the key indicator that this is not going to be good for the Sabers. You know that is a great point, and it is a. It sounds like a Terry and Kim thing again. You know, I feel like Pat had a vision. You know, and this was quite a few years ago now, as you're saying. And I feel like they just didn't see eye to eye, and. The rest is history, I feel like. You know, I wish I had more I could say on it or touch on it. But, like, 
I just feel like, yeah, they didn't see eye to eye and he had a certain vision that they just didn't want to go that direction. You know, it's tough to see because he has a great history with the organization. And since Terry and Kim have come in, it's really not only with LaFontaine, but it's the whole like Sabres alumni. I feel like it's just a, it's a sour situation. Like, I don't know. It just seems like it's just a dark cloud all over. Right. So the whole LaFontaine thing, it's just, I, I truly feel, you know, maybe he just didn't have as much pull as he wanted or he didn't have what to say. And I just feel like they didn't give him the control that he was hopefully envisioning. Right. So. I guess that's fair to a point. Now this is a very hypothetical. Do you think things would have been different if they got Connor McDavid at number one rather than Eichel or would it <laughs> still kind of been the same? Cause I know McDavid, he, we see what he does at Edmonton. Great. But if it's a those same situation, Buffalo where the mess is going on, would it have been, or so many of the things could fall into place in that too, right? Because I'm going to say it wouldn't be that much different, really, because it's a team game. And you look at Edmonton right now, and I'm not trying to knock on them because I have a lot of Oilers friends, but McDavid is still not McDavid himself, but the team is struggling still today with McDavid. Like they've only won one playoff series with McDavid. And I feel like you got to build the team really well. You got to have a well balanced team, like build your defense, build your crease and balance it out. And I feel like Buffalo's also failed to do that as well. Like, if they had McDavid, if they just switched Connor and Eichel with their current rosters, I don't think they'd be in the playoffs today because Connor would be be all on Connor kind of thing. Like, you know, the hypothetical of McDavid and Reinhardt together would be nice to see. But they still have a weak crease. They still have, you know, the blue line after Darlene, like McCabe. I feel like their their left-handed D is kind of a little weak as well. So they've still got a lot of holes to fill. And that would be a lot of weight for Connor to kind of hold on his shoulder. So it'd be interesting, you know, to think about because, you know, six years into his career, what if McDavid is still yet to see the playoffs and people will be like, oh, get him out of there kind of thing. Like you're wasting him away. And I, I kind of think, I don't think it'd be mu- that much better. Like, I don't think they'd be dead last like they were this year, but I don't really think they'd be like a dominant team in the playoffs. You know, I think they'd still be kind of struggling to kind of even enter the playoffs. You know, it's a tough division that they're still in and, I just think, you know, you can't just build around one player like that. You need to build your defense, build your crease, and balance things out. No, I think you have a good point there. Like, let's say, it's very interesting. I think the crease as well has something to do with it, where the defense as well. They've had some good pieces here and there, but they've been up and down. And again, who will they sign and give ridiculous amount of money to? The goaltending situation in Buffalo hasn't been good since Miller left, and then it wasn't good before he got there. Then you had Hashik. Do the Sabres have any hope in the prospect pool for the goaltending, or is it going to have to be a prayer and a hope? You know, they do. But, like, once again, and I hate to use this cliche, but it's true, right? Goalies are voodoo, right? Like, it's really tough with goalies to gauge on them and see, especially with the prospects, right? And and right now, I feel like they're in a really tough position because they got Linus Ulmark, who's an upcoming UFA, and they could maybe entice him to bring him back, like give him a little bit of a raise. But what interest would he have to come back? He's been at the Sabres his whole entire career, and it's his first chance to see what's out there. So I truly think Linus Ulmark is gone, and Carter Hutton's also free agent. And I'm, I'm, I'll be surprised if he's even in the NHL next year. And they have UPL, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but Yuka Ukapeka, you know what I'm trying to say? You heard of him? Yeah, I have. My cousin, he's a big Sabre fan. He told me he's going to be a good goalie. I'd say we'll have to wait and see because, as you said, goaltender prospects are always hit and miss. But 
it doesn't feel like they've addressed that need because they've gone through their goalies as well. Like they thought Michael Neuver was going to be the goalie, didn't happen. Robert Leonard was supposed to be the goalie of the future, didn't happen in Buffalo. The minute he gets out there, he's now a superstar with yeah. Vegas. So they, yeah. they dropped the ball on that one. And then they thought Carter Hutton was supposed to be the guy, but it looked like he was just protecting a good St. Louis system. Yeah, and you know, with Hutton, it, he was a career backup, really, too, right? Like, he, he did well in Nashville as a backup. He had Rene for a bit. He did good in St. Louis as a backup. And I feel like Buffalo just like, well, let's give this guy a chance, you know, and like, let's see what he can do as a starter. Like, yeah, he's had good numbers as a backup, let's see. And just with all the respect to Carter Hutton, maybe he's just better suited as a backup and not a starter when they first brought him in, you know? So, and the whole situation just, yeah, like you said, it's been a struggle ever since Miller. And the UPL thing, it's he was the OHL goalie of the year. Like, he, he's got potential in a way. And I still feel, though, with goalies, like, it's tough to say because with someone like Spencer Knight, he looked fine this year. Spencer Knight looked, didn't look out of place at all. And I just sometimes with goalies, like, we got to be patient. You got to be cautious. You don't want to rush him. So I was kind of under the impression at the UPL, like, give him one more year in the minors and don't really rush him up, right? So I, I wanted to be cautious of that, but at the same time, who knows with goalies? You know, I feel like they're going to need to sign one, maybe two goalies this summer. And with the free agent market, I keep circling back as to how many goalies are going to want to go to Buffalo. You know what I mean? They're going to have to overpay. And there's things like who wants to go to Buffalo all the time, right? Like there's Frederick Anderson is going to be free agent, or is he going to be even interested in coming? I don't think there's that great of names even out there for the free agent list either, right? No, I, I don't believe it. Frederick Anderson is at the top of the list, but... <laughs> Again, you're. I think you do. You make a good point there. At this point, who wants to go to Buffalo? I think that the thing there were a couple of years ago. You look at. I think I got like a postal. There was excitement in Buffalo. Players wanted to see how that team would go. But now it's just like it's just a. You see how players are just coming and going. It's just like, do I really want to go there? Yeah, and it's really a crappy situation because they're not going to be able to score in the free agent pool really. And they're going to have to, you know, strike in the draft development and trading department, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to have to take time again, which fans hate hearing because they've already been waiting, what, 10 years, right? But when Cousins is looking good, you know, hopefully he can develop into something still. They got definitely a top three draft pick in this year's draft. Who knows who or what that'll be, but that'll help for the future, right? And if and when they get rid of Eichel and Reinhardt, it's going to be for prospects and picks, right? So it's something they're going to pile up and, you know, it's let's go for another rebuild. Like, it's going to happen, right? So you just got to gear up and hope for the best. In 2022 and 2023 especially, there's some good picks there. Who knows what can happen, right? <laughs> no, exactly. I think it's just the unfortunate. You got to do this again, which you're waiting so long as a fan. You you just want to see the success. Yeah, and I started to sidetrack a little bit, but I'll bring up 2006, actually, because I feel like 2006, me personally, that was like my funnest year in hockey because the Oilers and Buffalo, in my mind, I was like my dream Stanley Cup matchup that almost happened. <laughs> I was 18 years old in 2006, and I just I remember I had my family out in Buffalo telling me that like, oh, we'll get you a plane ticket. You can fly out to Buffalo. You can see the Oilers and Sabers in the Stanley Cup final if it if it happens, and it never ended up happening. And that was just like such a crazy year. I feel like the Sabers, like you know, had the injury bug in the playoffs, and that could have been like their year in 2006. You know what I mean? So so many things over the years. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Now I do want to get to 2006, seven, and eight because they had Drury. They had Briere. They were the co-captains. Then they left in free agency. Would that kind of derail that progress of the team? Because I look at it where they pushed Carolina to a Game 7 in the 2006 Conference Final. 2007, they go back to the Conference Final. Unfortunately, it didn't work out against Ottawa. But then 2008, Drury and Briere left. And then they had to kind of like kind of regroup. They had Palmonville, Roy, 
and Vanek, but it, it couldn't get everything back together to reach that level. Yeah, and it's weird because there's actually a little bit of an Oilers-Sabres tie into that as well because when the summer happened that Drury and, and Briard took off as free agents and now they went to Philadelphia and New York respectively, the Oilers dove in and they tried to offer sheet Vanek. I'm not sure if you remember. Mm-hmm. And, and the Sabres, they were in a position where they're, they already lost Briard, they already lost Drury, like they were going to lose Vanek as well. You know what I mean? So I feel like when the Oilers offer sheeted Vanek for, I think it was like seven or 7.1 or whatever it was, million, Buffalo, there's no chance they could have let the Oilers take Vanek, right? And it's funny because the Oilers struck out on Vanek and they ended up offer sheeting and getting Dustin Penner. You know what I mean? So I just, I like that tie together because I just think to myself, how would the Oilers have looked if they actually got Thomas Vanek instead of Dustin Penner? You know what I mean? But then how would the Sabres have looked? Because if they would have let Vanek walk, they would have got like three, I think, first round picks from the Oilers. And that would have turned into like Nuge, Hall, and Yakupov too. Which who knows that those would have been the first round, first overall mm-hmm. picks again, right? So much stuff I can tie into that. But just, it, it really sent them down a spiral. Yeah, because they went all in. You know, they were they had a good team. You know, they, they knew they were upcoming UFAs, but they were on the cusp of something. So it's not like they were going to ship them off. And they're like, you know what? We'll figure out that bridge when we get there. Let's just do what we can right now. And they had that shitty elimination by Ottawa in 07. It just, it all spiraled from there. You know what I mean? Because they were good pieces, man. And that was like some of this good core, like one of the best teams that I feel like the closest championship team they had was like Drew and Breer and those guys, right? So the teams in the 90s where they, 99 especially, where they went to the cup final against Dallas, was that more of Hashik just standing on his head or was the team actually good there as well? Um, You know, a lot of that, I, I will admit, like, I, I will say maybe Hasek, but I will admit I was also kind of younger in those days. Like that's, I was like 10, 12 years old. And that's when I kind of first like jumped onto the Sabres bandwagon back in the day. So I was a little younger, not sure exactly, but I would say it was kind of like Hasek, you know, back in the late nineties and especially 99 when they went to the finals, Hasek was the MVP. He was standing on his head and he was definitely carrying them. So I definitely feel, yeah, that was a lot of the goalie kind of just stealing games and stealing the show for them back then. Yeah. No, exactly. Now, wh- how long or what do you think the Sabres need to do to get out of this funk? Is it for the Pagulas on meddling where I think of, when an owner meddles, they're not going to demedal. I look at around the league, you look at, especially in the Canadian market, when the owner wants to do something, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Is it more just, unfortunately, they got to rebuild or do they kind of have to get the right people in charge of management? Because I can't imagine fans are going to take much before it becomes apathy where fans want to come back to the build with fans are a lot of back in the building. How many fans Buffalo want to renew their season ticket holders to keep going through this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, this is tough because what I want and what I think are two totally different things. You know what I mean? Because I would love it if I and Reinhardt, you know, we're around for the future, but I just think it's, it's not a possibility anymore. Right. So I think it's honestly just, it's inevitable at this point. And they just, they got to get rid of Reinhardt and Eichel for just the best pieces they can. You know, I feel like they just, they have to do it. I don't want to, I don't think, you know, it's ideal of course, but I just feel like they just got to get it done with in a way because there's no future with those two, you know? And I feel like with Reinhardt and Eichel, they can, especially with these drafts coming up, I feel like with the 2022 and 2023 drafts, they should, I hate to say it, but focus on those drafts, load up with as many or best first round picks as they can. And just, I hate to say it, but almost like tank 2.0, you know, I don't like intentionally tanking, but I think, cause I feel like that's just, I don't know. 
it never worked, especially when Tim Murray did it in 2015. It didn't work for Connor, right? <laughs> but I just feel like in this situation, I don't know what other choice they have. I feel like Reinhardt is gone, Eichel's gone, Ristolainen's gone, and nobody's going to sign there. You know what I mean? So I feel like the only approach they can do at this given point is just to draft and develop again. You know, there's just no other way. You got to hit the reset button. And in 2023, they got Connor Bedard. And I truly feel like that's generational. That's the next McDavid type, right? And I would celebrate and run around like crazy if the Buffalo Sabres somehow got him in 2023. But it's just, I feel like they got no other choice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, but it's just, what else are they going to do at this point? Yeah, no, I think you have a point. (laughs) It's just everything's so bad where you have to start over, where you're losing some great players, and it's just the pain of going through the drafting. But who knows? Maybe if they start over, maybe it might work out better. Maybe the right decision would make. We won't know until we get there. I've had a great time chatting with you, Jeffrey. Unfortunately, talk about the pain of the Sabres, trying to figure out where they're going to go next. Before I let you go, I want to know what is your favorite moment as a Sabre fan? Was it something from the 06 playoff run? Was it a moment Miller had or Eichel had lately? Or was it something Dominic Hasek maybe winning one of it hard than Vesna? What is your favorite moment? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't know if I can just pick one. You know, that's tough. I've never actually been asked that before. So <laughs> you've actually put me in the spot. You know, I, I love the Hasek MVP back in the day. You know what I mean? Because I feel like he was just my favorite player as a kid. And I just... I remember just playing road hockey and just wearing my old black and red Sabres jersey outside and rolling around on the street, just, oh, I'm Hasek and all that. And just, it was so cool in a sense, because even back then I was telling my friends, like, Buffalo's the best. And it was cool because they actually had a goalie that I could, like, back <laughs> it up, right? So I was like, you know, I, yeah, he's the best goalie in the world. So I'm not, I'm not just being biased here, right? So Hasek and just that era was just, that's what kind of suckered me in and, like, really kicked it off. So that's a huge moment in memory, I'd say, just the late 90s and maybe just like his just Vesna years and things like that right and and just for like a certain moment I love the Jason Pominville goal <laughs> I gotta say that you know the Ottawa one mm-hmm. that one is fun to see I remember just getting just super excited and just celebrating my ass off for that one just over, over time and the Pominville overtime goal I forget what year 07 06 was the year before yeah, I've never been asked that before. Sorry, you just really yeah, put me that, in the spot a little bit. That's good. That's all good. They've had, unfortunately had been shitty lately, but they've they've had some good moments in the past, though. I appreciate you coming on, Jeffrey. I really do hope the Sabers can get their stuff together and be a good competitive team. Like no one wants this. As much as everyone make fun of the rivals, no one wants to see a team struggle and become what the Sabers are at this time. Hopefully, now they can get it all together and. Start being reckoning and get back to winning games and being fun to watch the game. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeffrey. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much.